Yeah. So, uh, Thelma, we want to focus on this topic of imposter syndrome. And I, I, I don't actually like that part about syndrome part because yeah. it makes it sound like a disease that can be uh, treated or something. Yeah. But, you know, let's talk on the imposter part. So yeah. maybe you could tell me a bit about how was your experience of, uh, I mean, talking to others or maybe your own as well yeah. as to what it was like. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty strong expression, imposter syndrome. Um, and, and imposter syndrome really is this idea that uh, you feel like you're a fraud, um, you're not good enough uh, in an environment, or you've had a lucky break, um, someone's given you a chance that you don't deserve, and that soon you're going to be found out. Um, you look throughout, you know, history, even, you know, women writing in, you know, 100 years ago, referring to this idea of feeling like, you know, they've written lots of poems or books, but they still feel like some, one day someone's going to figure out that they're not good enough. Um, the earliest kind of description I found in literary text on like the idea of imposter syndrome uh, is a quote I, I often use from Shakespeare. Um, who talks about imposter syndrome and says it's it, it, in a way it really it stops you from meeting your potential because you're you know worried about how people will perceive you um, the quote I, I'll put it in the, the comments maybe after this but um, it's really interesting that throughout like um, kind of history you have people who really don't know whether or not they belong in a particular environment mm -hmm. or if you have women who write in the name of men um, they, they use their kind of writing names just so that they can actually belong and for me what's super interesting about imposter syndrome is that um, more and more we use this expression as almost like you should just deal with it because everyone seems to have imposter syndrome and I, I like to push, push back a little bit on that. I, I don't think I suffer from imposter syndrome. I know that sounds um, quite a strong statement but from a perspective, a professional perspective, I don't think I suffer from imposter syndrome. I think throughout your life you feel sometimes you don't belong in maybe in a relationship or uh, when you're at school but I think from a professional's perspective where we normally see imposter syndrome uh, manifest, um, mm -hmm. I kind of refuse that concept because um, if you break down imposter syndrome, there are really two components of it. Uh, one is this idea that you doubt yourself, right? Um, and that you uh, are not sure you're good enough or you're ready enough to do something. Um, and I feel from that perspective, we'll go into it in a bit more detail. That's a big one we'll talk about today. But from that perspective, you know, my pushback on it is like, you know, throughout human history, most of the things that we do, we're doing for the first time, right? So um, there isn't any kind of... Uh, need to have this expertise uh, right at the beginning because over time you learn so much I mean you know we're building vaccines for the first time for for COVID in the last year I mean that's the first time people are doing something specific for for, for COVID-19 right the second element of um, imposter syndrome that's super important is just other people doubting you right and I really worry that when you go into an environment where there's bias or people are trying to kind of one-up each other and, and be more successful that others feel like imposters but it's not imposter <laughs> syndrome that's just that's just basically you know being told that you don't belong so um you're not imposing you're actually you know uh, undergoing a kind of difficult situation where you're being rejected essentially um and i think it always seems to come together those two pieces self-doubt and doubt from 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 outside um and i think it's important we break it down we don't we don't just throw it into this one expression of imposter syndrome because then you'll never find a solution for it because it's a very complex uh, issue
Yeah. So I think one of the things that's very interesting is that, so there is this self-doubt aspect, but also a lot of us, I think, have this eternal feeling of not being enough in whatever yeah. we do, like in life. I know that a lot of, I mean, some of my clients come to me and say that, um, I've been uh, building my identity for so many years and I'm still not there or mm. I've been um, trying to do this or be this person but I'm not there mm -hmm. or like I think all the time trying to fix things yeah is wrong with me right so yeah. this belief that there must be something else that I'm not doing it and therefore always trying to go there so there's that aspect as well and then I think the specific one is happening like an incident type of we get a promotion or we get a, a new position yeah. and, and then all of a sudden all of these uh internal doubts and belief systems are being questioned right mm. whether uh we actually landed in the right place or like you were saying that someone might come over and discover that i actually don't deserve it yeah and and that a lot of that is coming back to the what type of belief systems we have not only yeah. ourselves but about the world and also uh, how do we think we should progress in our lives yeah so interesting is that i was thinking the other day that why do we have these um uh, doubts is essentially because we have this belief that things should be happening in a particular way yeah it doesn't happen in that particular way yeah. like in a particular progression then i must yeah. not be doing right or someone comes and discovers it so yeah it's so interesting that you actually mentioned this because the other aspect of this is the idea that the expression of imposter syndrome actually if you dig underneath it there's just so many elements and the element that you just pointed out i i try to describe it as um destination addiction mm. where people are constantly waiting for that thing that they have thought about in their minds to happen mm. and while they get into that place yeah. they don't enjoy where they are right and it's destination addiction is 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 a really dangerous thing because you're never going to be happy with where you are. Like it, you, it's permanently, you're, you're permanently either in like in uh, unstable territory or disappointed territory. Um, and I think when it comes to trying something new, you talked about that, you know, promotion, which makes you feel uncomfortable. Maybe you've been on that journey where you've been like, when I get that promotion, it's all going to be amazing. <laughs> But then you get the promotion and you're like, oh my gosh, when I get to be really good in this job, in the world, then I'll be amazing. And you don't enjoy the promotion for what it is because um, there's always something else that you're looking for. So yeah, I think it, it really is linked to um, like, like unpacking it and like, re like reframing how you think about it. It is re really linked to, I think, the fundamentals of well-being, right? I think you suffer from imposter syndrome less if you have a good practice of well-being if you have someone you talk to to, to kind of uh, like kind of unpack all of these things um and they all come hand in hand because in a way uh, all the elements that you've just described you see them in other aspects not just imposter syndrome but in other aspects of you know relationship challenges that people have control issues they have when they're in a relationship um and so it's so, so important the work that you do with yourself is almost like can solve multiple problems right so that's why it is so important yeah, so I think, uh, so we talked about what it is and why it may be happening. So I think just to 
maybe summarize also of that uh, why it might be happening is because of the self-concept about yourself or how you mm. view yourself, how you mm. view the world around you, right? And and what you talked about, why you think that there must be a better way or we, I come to a place where everything is going to be enough. I will mm. be enough and I'll be great and happy yeah. time, which is a very illusional thinking. Yeah we then miss what's happening right now right um, yeah. so, and then also the what we talked about is uh we think that the past defines as to where we should be going yeah rather than thinking how the future could define where we're going yeah yeah so because oftentimes we think that okay my progression was like this and therefore if there is a leap then it means that oh something might be going wrong so yeah so these are might be the reasons why it may be happening and then maybe we could talk about like if you are confronted with it with yourself like you talked about the self-doubt and others viewing it um maybe you could talk about more in terms of feelings like mm -hmm. what are the things that people would usually feel if they're confronted with this because they think it's real right because all of yeah are happening in your yeah. and you don't really know how to talk to other people about it because yeah. you are afraid that someone may actually find out about it yeah so what are the feelings and uh, of uh, someone who would experience imposter syndrome yeah I think firstly is this kind of um it's, it's the way you think in generally like the way you described is this idea that you're not enough right mm -hmm. um you come to the table with this idea and concept that the world is a puzzle and mm -hmm. you are finding pieces to make the puzzle complete yeah. um but you're born complete everyone was born complete every different things happen to different people um you're not on a journey to finding your missing piece whether that's in a relationship or the best job ever and i think when you the feeling that i get when i hear people talking about imposter syndrome is this idea that they're not enough um because someone else has something that is more complete than them a clearer puzzle or you know they went to the right school um yeah. their linkedin has the right you know job job path um it happens to everyone you go on someone's linkedin page and they have an mba from harvard and you're um concerned that somebody with an mba from harvard would be better equipped to deal with this job that you have um, and you're not complete but then you go and talk to somebody with an MBA from Harvard and <laughs> they're even worse because they're like well <laughs> I'm gonna I've gone high and now I'm gonna plateau I'll go backwards um, am I good enough was I how did I even do my MBA do people trust that I um, you know got in in my own merit um, so what I've actually found um, with some of the research is that actually the more competent people are the more they tend to be suffer from imposter syndrome which is is kind of ironic to think about it sometimes you just don't know what you don't know and you just kind of you go into something for the first time you just you know go for it but when people are starting to get more skilled in something they start to notice how much there is to learn right there's this uh, syndrome called the, the, the Dunning-Kruger effect of this mix between competence and confidence, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Dunning-Kruger Dunning effect says that um, people who have like very low expertise in something and have just started, 
tend to have very high confidence because they're just like, I started to learn something. This is so interesting. No, I didn't know this existed. So their high confidence makes them more likely to think that they know a lot when actually they, they probably really don't. And then as that, that chart goes forward, the more you learn, the more you know that there's just so much to learn yeah. and that then your confidence goes down. Um, and what the Donning-Kruger effect says is that it's not that you think that you're not good enough necessarily, it is that you assume incorrectly that everyone else is really, really good. You assume that everyone else is so confident because they, they've gone further in that journey of understanding. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reality is <laughs> many people, you know, it's like are faking it till they make it as well, right? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, many people are just trying to, uh, to 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 seem confident because it's important to you need to people to trust you so they want to see seem confident. And where I think women um, kind of put themselves in difficulty mm. is lacking that confidence makes people uncomfortable with their abilities. Right? Mm. When you show up, my husband was telling me that he you know he's gone through like interview panels and he's interviewed lots of candidates before, and the strongest candidate on paper where everyone was like, we're going to give her the job, has come to the interview really unconfident. <laughs> and it's like really upsetting for the panel because they're like, she's literally the best candidate on paper. Yeah. But her male counterparts have come to the, the interview very confident, which obviously inspires confidence in people that are going to give you a job, right? And her lack of self-belief has actually is a self-fulfilling prophecy because then she does feel like she doesn't belong in that panel because she's not confident at all. Yeah, and so yeah. sometimes I think that's maybe when you think about male, female in terms of imposter syndrome, it's this idea that why I think it's important to kind of stop using that expression and really work on the root cause is that if you rely too much, say, well, I just have imposter syndrome, I suffer, but you don't go and work on the fact that your imposter syndrome is actually stopping you from being successful um, because it's self-fulfilling in a way, yes. then it becomes really, really dangerous. Like, cause it, cause it, yeah. Exactly. I was thinking that, uh, I mean, I was actually writing the other day about a post about how we should be careful about labeling things in life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously our brains are uh, programmed in a way that it labels everything, right? Because yeah. we can't really function well and we would yeah. die the next day. But because of the labeling, we survive and we thrive and everything. But that same function may be actually disturbing us if we say that oh this is not going to work or this is yeah. hard or this is uh, I'm going to be imposter forever or whatever yeah. we're saying by labeling it we're actually just putting uh, plaster and saying okay it can't be solved yeah or I keep suffering and therefore what you're saying about the self-fulfilling prophecy so what I was thinking that maybe one of the ways that we could start looking at uh, imposter syndrome also from the perspective of what benefits it has yeah meaning that what are the learning opportunity it provides us so that we can actually not go into immediately okay i'm gonna fix it and everything's gonna be great but rather okay i have this i have all of these doubts uh and these are the doubts that i'm having then as you said that look into what they are yeah they're telling us right yeah. it might be that a lot of them are telling us how we have a lot of self-limiting beliefs yeah about ourselves and yeah. those beliefs we've never questioned them because we didn't have to before yeah and now the vulnerability is, is helping us actually yeah 
Exactly. So that now it's actually time to say, okay, it's normal that I feel this, or it's yeah. normal that I have all of these doubts. So let me yeah. look at it and see where are the beliefs that I'm holding, like the belief yeah. of others, but also belief about myself. And then yeah. decide what are the beliefs that actually serve me better in this circumstance? Mm. And what are the beliefs that are not going to serve? And what do I want to do with it? Yeah, I love that. And, and I think one of the things there, if you break that down, is like, you know, if you put, you know, this, the ones that serve you, the ones that don't, one aspect of, you know, women who have imposter syndrome, that is, is there's a positive aspect in the sense that you go into a room and you're really listening, you're actively listening, yeah. because you, you are respecting the abilities of others. Yeah. And imposter syndrome sounds very negative, but um, the personality of someone who is open to learn who's willing to be humble exactly. is incredibly positive right mm -hmm. so if we can break that down and say what parts of it actually you know don't don't become the person who's you know a, a horrible person to work with because they're super confident and they don't listen to anyone else that's not you know that's not what we're saying so I think yeah if we break that's it down true. I think really to try and address the bits that are really positive and the bits that really are limiting Exactly. So um, I think because whenever we label, we get scared of it, right? And yeah. Whenever we're scared, we're not really looking at it. Yeah. And that's with everything in life. So therefore, instead of being scared, why don't we just be curious and say, okay, yes. it's normal that my brain does this because we're yeah. having brains. And yeah. brains always look at what we have and what others have. And we tend to compare even though we shouldn't. And we know we shouldn't, but we do that anyway. So if we're doing it, we may as well have a look at all of these aspects and decide which one of it I can actually use to my advantage now. And the other thing I think is that uh, whenever it comes to beliefs and beliefs about ourselves, we tend to think that it's going to magically occur overnight. And the next day, I'm going to be this person. Mm. And, and that's another, and then we top ourselves with a layer of suffering because that's not happening overnight. And then mm. we're like, oh, this is not working. I'm really an imposter. And then here are the reasons. And the problem mm. our brains have is that whenever we believe something, it's gonna prove it to be true, right? Yeah. This confirmation bias with our brains is that yeah. whatever we think is true, we're gonna find evidence for it. Yeah. So then the trick becomes how do we uh, use our brain's ability to our advantage by uh, really questioning where our beliefs are disturbing, where our beliefs are going to the automatic finding negative evidence, but rather how we can create a positive evidence. Yeah. Why we are not imposter because of these reasons. Yeah. Why are we supposed to have this experience because of these reasons? Yeah. And like we said in the beginning, that doubt is absolutely normal and it has to be part of our process in the learning journey. Yeah. It, we can't go around and you know from the beginning be like uh, a great walkers if we born then of course we're not going to be walked immediately we had to take time to do that and i think the yeah. same goes with our beliefs and with whatever we want to create it's going to take time yeah so, yeah so i think that's great about the uh, positive aspects of how we can use imposter syndrome to our benefit that i love the way you said it is that how can we use it to listen to others, be humble and 
and then uh, nurture those skills as well in the future yeah. and then and willing to be vulnerable i think that's also another topic we could discuss uh because yeah. i think confidence is so overrated especially in the western culture i must say yeah. because where i come from uh we actually are i think in a way been taught that we are not supposed to be confident because mm -hmm. there will be all the other wonderful people who have wisdom and uh, we mm -hmm. could learn from them right so yeah that could be yeah something to consider so maybe now it might be time to talk about like specific things of what we could do with um when we have it, we've looked at it, let's say, we've looked at it, what are the beliefs, what are the concepts that we're having about ourselves and others? Uh, we have all these doubts. And now what do we do next? Or what do you do or your colleagues or people that you know, how do they deal with it usually? What do they yeah. do and find it most effective? Yeah, so I have this expression I, uh, I use, which is, I'm not a fraud, I'm just afraid. Um, is it has a, it rhymes a little bit, but um, it's easy, it's easy to remember, you know, because when you acknowledge that it's not that the feeling isn't there, is that the feeling isn't what you think it is, right? It's not your brain telling you that you will never do this because you are a fraud. It's your brain telling you that this is something. This is a new territory. This is something that you may need to, you know, take time over, and it, and you're afraid. Yeah. And when you know you're afraid, you can work with the fear, right? Because you can, you know that, okay, fear isn't, isn't helpful. You should always work, work in the basis of, you know, uh, like love and curiosity and all that, but at least you're dealing with the right thing. Cause I think that, that, that concept that it's just because you've somehow you're lucky, you know, oh, you were given the opportunity because they're looking to put women in that role. But, you know, really there are male candidates that are better than you or, you know, oh, there's a diversity number they're trying to satisfy. And then you start to think I'm a fraud and people are just putting me in there. You need to start with the basis of like, you know, it's you're afraid. Yeah, you're going to a new environment. Um, and then the second piece, which I really love what you described in terms of that from a cultural piece of confidence, is like um, the doubt, right, can go from really negative to a positive thing so the negative doubt of like i won't do this i'll never do this if you turn it around to say look when i go into a new job i shouldn't just come in and tell them everything that they need to know from where i've come from i should listen to what they're actually saying and how and learn before i start to teach you know and then you start to reframe all the stuff that you thought was negative about this imposter syndrome and start to think about like, what are the like positive parts about uh, the, your, your character trait of, you know, being thoughtful before you, you jump forward. Now, more practically speaking, when I, on my, on my group, some of the things I, I, you know, I've talked to people about in terms of how to help themselves with imposter syndrome is also what you described about evidence, right? Because our minds are, kind of <laughs> can create negative evidence like you said there's a confirmation bias now what i try to think about is it's really important to write down some of the things that you're thinking about um, that's causing you to feel the fear that you have right which ultimately causes you to think that you're a fraud but that fear you have and in practice really eliminates some of the things that don't make sense 
you yeah. know, because we can't really, you know, you can't work with something that's just an utter lie about who you are and what you're doing and why you're there, right? So, you know, writing down some of the reasons why you feel, right, that you, um, things that you're good at, you know, you, you the, the three things you write on your list is firstly, like the things that you're really good at, like yeah. exceptional, like, you know that about yourself, things that you're learning, you're not so good at. Yeah. And then things that you, you don't know and you'd love to learn, right? And if, if the theory is that you're trying to um, encourage people to be more curious, the things that you're not so good at and you want to learn should no longer be framed as like negative things. Should be like, that's why I want to do this job because yeah, I don't know that much about this particular field, um, but I would love to learn. And, you know, it's a really interesting thing for me to, 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 to have as part of my skill set, you know, then it's no longer that like I'm pretending to know it. <laughs> you just, you've acknowledged and accepted. I don't know that much, but with the other thing I am good at, I can always counterbalance, you know, as I, as I grow and I will listen to people who are experts in things I don't know so well. Um, so I think that's the first exercise, really taking time, writing down, being evidence-based and really saying like, what am I actually um, afraid that I'm bad at? You know, like what is it actually out there and, and kind of you know, acknowledging, acknowledging those pieces. So, Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Actually, one of the things I wanted to say is that, you know, someone told me that ex ex expert is someone who had done the most mistakes in life. Yeah. So it's not actually someone who just happened to turn into yeah. a person, but actually someone who tried so many different ways and then said, okay, now I know little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why. So my take on this is uh, I actually um, recommend that people do this coaching on themselves. And the way that I suggest to do that is by asking a lot of questions. I think it's a bit similar to what you're saying is that writing down all of the thoughts of what you're thinking now and what you keep thinking about it. And that's a wonderful awareness exercise, right? And then to add to that, I think we could ask some of the interesting questions like for instance what are why are you choosing to think that mm -hmm. why do you keep thinking the same thing over so in other words mm -hmm. what are you trying to achieve with this mm -hmm. because if we don't ask ourselves at some point that it's up to us to do something about our thought then it's no one else is able to help them right so mm -hmm. we somehow think that when we're imposter that it occurred to us it's mm. not something that we created with our, with our own minds mm. and whenever we don't take responsibility for how we keep creating the same thought then we may always feel like we are at the um, mercy of it yeah yeah in charge of it right mm. so why I love these questions like what are we trying to achieve with this why are we choosing to think this mm. and uh, what uh, emotion or feeling is this generating for me and whether I like it or not yeah I, I love that and I think it's this idea of being the um, the master of your own mind versus being the victim or the passenger of your own mind because your mind is there to serve you yeah, right yeah. And if it's not serving you and if it's actually the, what's causing you the most pain and, uh, uh, and fear, yeah. then you and, and I often find people who aren't masters of their own mind tend to in, like try and control 
other people. Yes, exactly. Because like, it's this lack of it's this lack of control that you have. Yes. And then it's like I need my husband to be here all the time. I need him to do this, or I need my friends to behave in a certain way. And then when you take time and, and really, you know, examine where it's coming from, right? It's really because your mind has run away with itself and you haven't got the same grip on it that you you need to have as a human. So you find it in other places as well. Exactly. So, so we're so good at compensating for things that we're lacking in the yeah. world, right? So yeah. we get something from outside because we're lacking it in our own self. So yeah. that's, uh, it's a great awareness of, so first step absolutely is self-awareness of what are the thoughts that are happening and question them, right? So mm -hmm. and we'll find evidence, like you said, as to whether it's true or not. Because sometimes we just believe that this is how things are. Mm. And when we come to actually dial down, it's not how things are. But our brain used one example and then made it all like this is how it is, right? So that's why that's the first um, uh, exercise of self-awareness of knowing all these thoughts. And importantly, how they're making us feel. Because whatever we're feeling, those are going to be the one driving the way we act or not act, right? So we were talking about some of the women having wonderful CVs, yet when they actually talking, they don't really know how to present themselves because mm. they might be good at certain things, but they haven't really thought about how they think about themselves and their confidence level because mm -hmm. confidence comes from your own thoughts. Mm. That's so true. And we think that confidence comes from other people confirming that this is true, but that's so not true, right? It comes. You just hit, yeah. You just hit a, such an important, like as you were talking, you just hit such an, a fundamental point about that. That piece is that there is an aspect to this which is when you write down or you start to think about, you know, your what you're good at and maybe what you're not so good at. One of the things that you can find that you're not so good at is representing yourself right because there's one thing obviously that your mind is in control of you but that but sometimes it might be that you're actually not so good at representing yourself and that's that's not a crime that's something that if you acknowledge um and you're self-aware about um it explains sometimes why on from the outside perspective that you lack confidence because when you go and represent yourself maybe you you're not as articulate or you're not as put together and then you think because everyone else is so put together that it, it's the it's a, it's an outward sign of inner inner um, expertise, right? Mm -hmm. But often I found, and, and you know, we we will be. I mean, I've had you know training on you know public speaking, for example, right? I found that like that aspect of assuming everyone who is out there presenting themselves, uh, being confident, that all of them are born that way. Mm -hmm. um, is is actually something that's not correct. M many people learn. In, when as they get more senior they learn to express themselves better and and represent themselves better and many people are very very good at representing themselves very well without expertise those are the real fraudsters of the world you know you know when you say imposter there are really real imposters in the world mm -hmm. who are able to speak in a way or represent themselves in a way but they don't have anything to back it up underneath and ironically, people who have things to back it up underneath but can't represent themselves are the ones who feel like imposters, which is like the most ironic thing ever. So I think maybe one quick lesson is 
it does go hand in hand. Your ability is to be an expert or to, to be strong at your job, but be curious and want to learn. But yeah, maybe you have to also think about, okay, how can I be a bit stronger in like conveying yeah, what I yeah. know, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So the way that I uh, suggest is that, so there's basically three A's that we want to look at. So being aware of it, of the past and who we are, right? And also accepting some of the things the way they are, just like you were saying, and then asserting them. I think that's where the representation comes in, right? So we need to translate all of what we have into actions basically yeah because if we don't do that then we will always be missing something and thinking that okay must be imposter i must not be good enough i must not be this and that and then that translation is very important so once we're aware of what we have going on in our minds so we really want to dump everything onto a paper ideally and then look at it and then accept that this is something happening and this is how it should be happening this is something that I could be fixing it because it's because of my self-limiting belief uh, or something else and then the the third piece of it is that how do I now translate and everything into action meaning how do I find that evidence that this is true or how do I find or create evidence not even finding mm -hmm. it create evidence from the future because we often think that we can create find evidence but not create it like we don't mm. intentionally go around i love that yeah how can we create uh for my this personality piece this is what i want to create and then prove this to be true and then my mind starts believing it right because our minds really want something to be tangible so that it can believe that it's happening mm. and that's why we so that, yeah actions right because the actions help us tell that what we're thinking is correct or true and as soon as we then learn the skill of how can we create something from the future and say this is what i can actually do and here is the proof then our brain starts getting translating things into the that assertion of okay this is who i am now i may yeah. have been this person before but i'm now this person because I have worked on myself and translated things into a proper language or messaging or whatever the case may be. And then here is who I am. And then we could write a whole book on this. This is so fascinating. I was just thinking when you were just saying that, because I love that concept of creating evidence, because it's really, it's really curious that when you haven't done something, if we go into the past, right, let's say you've never managed somebody at work before before you manage someone there's all sorts of imposter syndrome like oh, I'm going to ruin this person's life like I've never done this before all of this right and then I guess when you manage someone and you realize you're actually really good at it the new evidence then you're like yeah I can manage people I've managed people but before you did it you couldn't manage people but then what tends to happen is that you forget that new evidence that's happened and then you find another thing that you're not good at right but each time we've had, and I suppose what, that's what comes with wisdom, because the more you do that, the more you start to remember that you're able to do stuff. But this is a dangerous thing for you know, young professionals, because as a young professional, you haven't created enough evidence. Yes. I don't know. Hello. Hi. Sorry. Yeah, no, no worries. 
Uh, can you hear me? Is all clear? Yeah, so yeah, that idea of creating evidence, it's, it's really uh, a fascinating one. I th really like, for, for especially for younger, young, younger professionals, it'd be something to, you could spend a lot of time in that already with, with, with that's why people have mentors, right? Because a, a mentor helps you envisage what you could be because you can see, you can see their evidence because they Oh, no. I'm sorry, it's my internet is um, shaking up a little. Yes, no worries. About the mentors. Yeah, no, I was just saying about how, you know, how having that, having that experience, like firstly talking to a coach or a counselor, but also having a mentor because they can help you give context and create some more evidence from other people because you know how people always have to you don't have to learn from your own mistakes right it's 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 really powerful to be able to see when somebody you know tells you it's powerful because you can you can see that you use other people as evidence and you they motivate you in a way that you aren't able to motivate yourself. But it's that concept you just described of creating your own evidence is fascinating because if you write down what you're what what you what you can do for the future and then you go after that and see how you've actually been able to to respond to it. It's a very powerful and really can be ingrained in your mind that you um you your doubts um are often unfounded because you you actually are you haven't had the opportunity yet to actually create the evidence that you are, uh, you know, you, you can do these things. Exactly. So I think that's why life coaching can be a very powerful tool is that it can help you like actually see things that you don't think is possible currently. Uh, tell me, you're there, I'm sorry, it's my internet probably. Uh, yeah, it was it was doing it was doing really well for him. Yeah, I hope it's gonna stand until the end. So just uh, just to um, uh, yeah wrap up on the uh, life coaching part, I think one of the things that is amazing about working with life coaches is that life coaches help you look at your own self from your future. Mm. And that's an amazing part is that something that you haven't even maybe considered possible, look at yourself like in a, a few years into the future and then see yourself and say, oh, I can actually give myself my own advice as to mm. how my trajectory should go. Mm. Then when you have that life trajectory and then you are moving towards it, then you know that all of this failing, all of this doubts, all of this fear is part of the process because without that there is no growth mm -hmm. and and if we're not growing then we get depressed and then other mental issues start happening so that's why growing is actually amazing and it should happen um so that's why i just wanted to say that um uh, hello i know i'm sorry yeah the, the sound the sound is perfect by the way it's just that the video cuts but the sound is perfect yeah okay. so yeah so that's why um even when you are like in imposter syndrome maybe uh you could also like if you coach yourself and then you came to a certain conclusion but you think that uh you could also talk to someone else about it uh and look at it from a long future perspective uh, at your own situation then you will also understand that this type of big leaps in your life is something that you are probably going to do more and more 
and therefore you may as well get used to it. Yeah. So you're no more uh, scared of it or thinking that this is something wrong and it shouldn't be happening to me, but rather, no, I created this and I'm going to actually enjoy it because I'm going to do more of it, meaning more of the big leaps to get to my dream job or dream whatever creation that I have. So, yeah, that's an amazing, that's an amazing way to kind of, and, and I think I like the idea of you might as well get used to it because, um, and the sooner we get this message and, you know, people tend to get to, to a life coach quite much later, don't they? So, yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's really interesting that like, as, you know, having a coach or a mentor younger in life, the power it has on people, uh, because I think you just you're so right if you're only starting to get used to it when you've already gone through this turmoil right um, then it's it's a bit of a shame but I think the growth the idea of a growth mindset that you always want going to take leaps you're always going to create new evidence you're always going to have to um, try something and be curious um, no one is born walking like you said I love that expression um, and like I think if we if we tell our you know children young enough that um, that's the case because um, I think what we do in school is we put people in crescendos like oh you've got your exam at 15 you're going to go and do your A level your GCSEs or you're getting into college that's like everyone's working yeah. towards a crescendo but actually the crescendo is is, is a life well lived right so so you're going to have these like you know peaks and, and valleys but like get used to the fact that um, it doesn't learning doesn't finish at school new things don't finish at school um and like actually you should you should at least thrive in that environment if you can um but you should definitely expect it uh if you're not if you're not going to thrive you should definitely not be surprised so I, I think that's a good way to think about it exactly so uh maybe we uh wrap up with the uh final messages Thelma. for those who might be listening to us and thinking oh, i have that imposter syndrome well, yeah, I mean, I started the conversation saying I didn't have imposter syndrome, but I guess, I mean, we all have some parts of it. I think what's important, really, and I've learned, you know, a lot from just this conversation as well, is what's important is really unpacking what that imposter syndrome is um, and not relying too much on the label itself, because that's not important. I think maybe the label then helps you come to listen to these kinds of conversations. And that's great because then you're learning. But the label itself is not important. What's important is if you unpack it, then yes, it's good to have some humility when you come into a new situation. It's good to know that you may not know everything and, and doubt a little bit about what you need to, 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 to do to, to get there. But equally, um, it's important to not have it as a limiting um, kind of dialogue that you have between you and your mind and take some more control of your own uh, thoughts and your own um, uh, belief systems. Um, and then I really love this idea that you just reached, which is in throughout our life, we are going to be experiencing, you know, aspects that are like new, that will inspire fear in us. So we might as well get used to dealing with it with style, you know, right? Um, and going into it saying, I'm humble, I want to learn. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with me because I, I want to, to take it easy, you know. So that, that's been really a, kind of a good way to, to unpack uh, imposter syndrome um, for me. So, yeah, really interesting conversation. Good. Yeah. So I think for me as well is that being super curious, aware of what's happening, 
accepting certain things are the way they are uh, and in no ways thinking that whatever others are doubting you is the truth because <laughs> in the end that whatever others might be saying is you interpreting them right mm -hmm. so it's not like whatever they're going to say is how things are but rather how you make it mean is mm -hmm. in matters so that's why accept certain things that if others are going to say things that's their their problem or their opinions you have your own so be accepting of your own opinions and then how can you translate everything into actions of proving and finding proof or creating proof and really showing that this is your self-concept and this is how it's represented outside mm. and you just love the way things are because it's in the end your life and as you were saying is that we all are born complete we just get to grow a lot in in life mm -hmm. and an amazing opportunity right so instead of keep thinking that we need to fix things but rather how about we just get curious and keep growing so yeah the message great Tessa, it was amazing to talk to you um uh, so i hope that we will stay in touch and yeah. we will see how people are going to be reacting to this and hope that people reach out to us and and yeah. we're there to um help if needed so where can they find you in case yeah so on instagram become dot yours um, is my handle. Um, we have some posts in there. We're also um, going to put any kind of content that we think is kind of supporting you and, you know, doing your evidence-based yeah. living. <laughs> so yeah, at become.yours. Thank you so much for uh, having me on here. Yes, pleasure. So uh, thank you so much for listening. I know it's been more than usual length, but I hope you will enjoy it. <laughs>